Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Behind the Movement. I'm Kyle Fincham. My guest today is my very, very good friend, Trevor Hash. Um, super excited to share this conversation with you. I'll get to it shortly. Um, I have a lot of upcoming Infinite Play events that I want to uh, let you know about. If you're in the New York area, from now until March 26th, every Saturday I'm doing a two-hour jam in a different park in the city. Um, they've been amazing. Uh, the last couple weekends have been beautiful. Weather-wise, I think it's going to be beautiful. This Saturday, for those of you who have been in New York or know New York, we'll be in Tompkins Square Park this week. Um, if you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. The easiest way to do that is to just go to my website and go to the Infinite Play page. And while you're there, you will see the info for uh, a whole mess of uh, workshops coming up in the spring and summer. I will quickly run through them. Um, there will be more that we're adding. Um, but yeah, you'll see what we have up right now. Uh, the first one is in Santa Fe, New Mexico on May 14th and 15th, and that's hosted by my friend Shannon Elliott. Uh, the next one is on June 11th and 12th in Salzburg, and that's hosted by Movement Exploration Salzburg. And then on June 18th and 19th, I'll be in, in uh, Berlin, and that's hosted by Franz Halscher. And then June 25th and 26th, I'll be in Paris. And that's hosted by Movement Practice Paris. After that, in July on the 9th and 10th in London. And that's hosted by the London Movement Group. And yeah. Couple more events after that. Um, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, July 23rd and 24th, and that's hosted by Crazy Monkey Movement in Amsterdam. Um, a few more are going to be added to the schedule, but that is what's up right now. Um, all of them have early bird pricing, uh, and you can see the details for that on, on my page. Um, yeah. That's what I got. Can't wait. Looking forward to uh, to to hitting the road and doing a whole bunch of infinite play. So, if you're uh, near any of those places that I mentioned, or if you feel like traveling to them, it would be wonderful to see you there. Cool. Let's move on. Let's get to the podcast. Like I said, my very good friend Trevor Hash is my guest today. If you don't know. Trevor, let me give you a little bit of his background. Trevor's mission is to help others understand and experience their body and life in ways Western culture falls short. He identified as an athlete from a young age and feels the culture surrounding team sports led to a poor relationship with his own body and movement, seeing it always as a means to an end. Through various forms of sport, dance, martial arts, calisthenics, and adventuring, Trevor has come to see the human body as a vehicle for self-exploration 
expression, connection, enjoyment, and an infinite source of wisdom. Now he shares his values and passions through content creation and coaching. As I said, Trevor's a good friend. We got to spend a, a, a lot of time together um, during my time in Boulder. Um, and this is just one of, of many, many, many conversations that we've had. Um, we catch up pretty frequently, but this is the first one that we've recorded. Um, so it's an honor to share it with you. And I'm not going to waste any more, any more of your time. Here's my conversation with Trevor Hash. I work with my brother, Josh, who runs StrengthSide, which is a, uh, which is a business that started mainly as a YouTube channel and, uh, and has gotten pretty big over the last three or four years. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we collaborate on, on a lot of stuff and, um, yeah, man, I figure we'll, we'll probably end up talking a lot more about that. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a family owned business. Yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, even the little bro gets in there once in a while, little That's big right. bro. That's little, right. He's, he's really tall. No, like I said, that one day where I got to be with uh, all three of you all at once, it was like being with like three redwood trees. And I was just like, uh, I don't know, like a weed. Like I just felt like my neck was hurting from looking up the entire time because you're all huge. It's funny though, we're, we're tall, but when we sit down, oh, like a, a, at Winston's thing, when we sit down, we're all normal height. We all have like really long legs and short torsos. So mm -hmm. you just gotta, you just gotta get us on the ground. <laughs> okay. Noted. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> I remember, uh, I don't know if it was when we first met, but like early on and like, uh, you know, for people who are listening, just to give context, like we met in, in Colorado, just like jamming on a basketball court through a mutual friend. Um, and then we ended up getting to hang probably you and I probably hung out more than I got to hang with almost everybody else that, during my time in Colorado, but it also meant we got to like chat a ton. Um, and I don't know, I learned uh, an amazing amount about kind of your background and I'll let you talk about it a little bit because I think that like it's an interesting kind of evolution from being a high level athlete right and and then being like being willing to kind of let go of uh, your competence to start exploring other things and for reasons that I'll let you explain like why you thought that 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 mattered and continue to think why it mattered yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, I have to tell the story of how we met. Okay. It's, it's just, I feel like it's just, in my mind, it's just so ridiculous. Because I had okay. actually heard you on a podcast before. Uh, it was like, uh, maybe like the daily practice or something. Does that Nel ring a bell? Yeah, Nelson's, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I had heard you on a podcast and you were this New York guy who had done stand-up, right? And, uh, and, and so I had like a very distinct picture of who you were. And then we show up to the park. It's like there's snow on the ground. It's it's pretty cold. And we show up, and you're you're in overalls. Yeah, a, like, a, a bib, a bib, a ski bib. <laughs> and I was. It just like blew my conception of you immediately. 
And I was like, wait, maybe, maybe this guy's kind of like a hick. I don't know. Like I, I'd also never been around ski culture. I didn't know what it was. So like, so then, so then we start, then immediately you're just like, yo, you guys want to jam? And you just turn on some like rock music and just start like, you know, like if you follow this podcast, you've seen Kyle jam, it gets down. So we start getting down. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know what to think about this guy. So it was, it was really cool. It's really cool to get to know you after that because it was just like, dude, you like you. There's nothing that can contain this person by words, you know. That is hysterical. It didn't even like occur to me that like we were meeting for the first time, and I'm out there in the in the in a ski bib when you arrive, like grooving on a snowy <laughs> basketball court. Like it didn't even like it didn't even like cross my mind that that would like frame your like cons- like the, the the way you perceive me <laughs> it was just like oh hey this is what i do it's very funny <laughs> but i mean it is it is it is you 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 wear so many hats that i don't know if they're it, they just all blur together right yeah but uh anyways back to your question so um so yeah i i, uh, I grew up playing uh, just like a ton of ball sports that's like um that was i played basketball, football, baseball, and, um, and did that into college. And unfortunately I had like uh, a pretty life altering injury where um, I dislocated my shoulder and then, and then it just kept, it kept happening after that just over and over and over. And so, uh, you know, I went through surgeries. I did a ton of physical therapy and none of it really worked out. So I ended up, um, I think you phrased it as I willingly stepped away from that. I, I, I was more forced out of sports because I just literally couldn't, I couldn't play. Like I couldn't do anything without my shoulder dislocating. So, so um, it was uh, life altering in the way that like my, my identity was at like being an athlete. I, I didn't really have any, um, have any self-esteem or value in myself outside of the outside of that and so it was almost like uh i was walking out like naked into the world it's like whoa what do i do now you know Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately i think a lot of the um a lot of the culture around team sports is very much like your value is placed in in how good you are what you can do um, on the field or on the court. And, and that just, I, I didn't know how to create meaning out of life after that. And so I, I, w- like, I wasn't prepared to step out in the real life yet. And so I like, you know, I bumbled around. I, I got in some trouble, you know, as I was partying too much. I, um, I eventually found something I could do, which was powerlifting, which like was, it was, uh, it was really the only way I could do anything that like, um, that I could potentially be competent in, but not have to put my arms over my head basically. So, uh, so I ended up, um, getting into powerlifting, but ultimately, you know, that just kind of led to more, um, more of that same kind of like, uh, creating ego around what you can physically do. Right. And then, um, 
And then I, I don't remember what the, the, the moment was, but at some point I just like came to this realization that, um, oh, you know what? No, no, no. I actually, I went to a music festival and I saw people dancing, dancing just like, not like good dancers, which was meaningful to me because it was like, what's the difference between them and me? Like I'm, they're not like necessarily trained dancers. I'm not a trained dancer. Why can't I just like get out of my own head and just like let my body move to music however it wants to move? I'd never danced in my life before. And so like, I think that something clicked that day where I was like, like there's, there's something here that I need to explore and I don't know what it is. And at the same time, um, I also was introduced to GMB which like, if you're familiar with them, Ryan Hurst um, and Jarlo are super dope teachers. They created this thing, GMB, uh, that just kind of teaches like some, some animal movement um, with the goal of kind of moving towards gymnastic stuff. And, uh, and so I basically quit powerlifting and just, and just did that for a while. Um, and, uh, and then from there was introduced to some you know, portal movement stuff, you know, I never really went deep into that world, but um, definitely was influenced by it. Um, and at the same time, I was, uh, I, I got into martial arts, I got into some dance, um, some dance practices, I, I really enjoy contact improv. And so I just had all of these, I, I basically went from nothing to just like, purposely drinking from a fire hose, trying to expose myself to anything I possibly could that would kind of blow my paradigm of what mm -hmm. like life was. And, um, and then now I think it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's very cool to be where I am now because that's almost like I went so expansive that at some, at some point I was going to have to contract and come back to like some sort of normalcy. And I think I'm in, I'm in that I'm at that point right now where I'm like, okay, I, I, I explored all this stuff. Now I can kind of like take from it what I want and leave the stuff I don't want. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and share with the world what I discovered from that. Cause ultimately I think, you know, going back to like Josh and I create content for our strength side, um, ultimately like I think what our, what our message, what our values and purpose are, is, is really ultimately to reach, reach that person of like who we were before we like were introduced to any of this. Mm -hmm. So thinking about my 20, 23, 24 year old self, like what did, what did that guy, what did that guy need? And also how can you reach him? You know what I mean? Cause mm -hmm. like, I think oftentimes in in our world, in, in our little bubble that we live in of, of like movement, performance arts, dance, martial arts, like we're often talking to people who already, who, who already believe in this stuff, who already know that like there's meaning inside of having practices and, and um, you know, like, mo like moving, but also like carrying that, carrying those lessons you learn from whatever you do physically into your life. But I just started going to a commercial gym and that's a different world. Like, the, like, and that's most people. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so like the question that Josh and I continue are, can, are continually confronted with is like, how do you reach those people? The people who do, aren't already listening to this message. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting process. We've, 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 we've been like messing around with like a lot of comedy skits mm-hmm. and um, we're always, we're always dabbling in, you know, like trying, trying to bridge the gap somehow with like, you know, what people know. So like strength and things like that, and then pulling them in just enough to hear the message. Mm-hmm. So um, what are like, uh, you said that like you kind of like expanded to, to like contract. And I think that that's like, I guess I, that's something I relate to. I always think of it as like a circular thing where you're like kind of almost like returning back to where you started. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I guess I'm curious, like what are the things that like, you've thought about where you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm, that was interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep that. And what are some of the things that you decide you're like, Oh, I want to hold that that's worth holding on to and like passing on and sharing, like what are if they're qualities or anything? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I want to preface this with like, I'm glad I experienced everything that mm-hmm. I, that I experienced. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, Cause I think sometimes you have to learn lessons the hard way. Like you just have to know what it's like. You can't take someone's word for it. And so, you know, I, I did get into some of like the style of training that comes from move the movement culture quote. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, training two to three times a day, basically teetering on the edge of injury all the time to, to just like force your body to submit and change and blah, blah, blah. I definitely won't do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, cause, cause ultimately like, again, like I'm glad I experienced that. And I think, and I think there's a potential for like that, that can be good for a lot of people to experience, to like, just, just go head first into something and block out the rest of the world for a little bit and like see what it's like to live in something. And I'm not saying it has to be whatever you and I do, but like, I think that's an experience that a lot of people could get a lot from just, just devoting themselves to something. Um, But at the same time, like I, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that specific way of doing things because like ultimately most people get injured. Like most of the people I talk to, I would say the people who can continue inside of that culture are just the people who don't get injured. Mm-hmm. And some of that is the chance. Some of that is genetics. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, our, our good friend, um, Matt, Matt Matucci was, he, he had been through it already. And like, he was, he was the voice in my ear. Just like, what are you doing, man? Like, get out of this. You, you don't want to do this. I'm still hurting it's been two years and like my elbows are still messed up from being in that. And so, um, so again, like, I think I just, I just needed to explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately there's, there's a lot of different things I experienced other than that, that, that I won't continue to practice. Um, but now that I know that they're there, I know their tools and I can speak to people who are, um, 
who are considering those things. And I can tell them the, the, the pros and the cons. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's cool because I, um, I don't feel any type of way about like, I, I can look at like things objectively from where I am right now and, and like not judge them, not judge, especially not judge the people who are practicing them, but just see them for what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think, um, I don't know, we talked about this kind of stuff a lot, like, you know, kind of like the reducing of judgment. And I think that was always something I appreciated about you. I think you like, uh, I don't know, were somebody who used to word, use the word silly a lot, which I always liked. Like you were like, oh, we're going to like go get silly. Um, and I think that that's uh, an important quality, right? Like in the in the movement world is this like um, kind of always returning back to like call it the silliness or the play or the whatever, because I realized um, like CrossFit, I think you worked out of a, you, you worked at a CrossFit gym or you taught out of a CrossFit gym for a while. I didn't teach CrossFit, but I was, I was working at a gym. So I yeah. was in the culture. So I remember like in the early days of CrossFit and maybe like it was in like the writing for CrossFit was this idea like, you know, do CrossFit and then play sports often. Like the playing sports often was part of like the, the CrossFit scripture, right? And in movement, I think that sometimes that, that, that play sports often and not even sports, just the, the play often piece gets lost. It's like, it's just the training. So just like CrossFit, it's just like, no, we just do the training. We actually don't do the other part. And in movement, I think sometimes that that part gets lost and yeah, when I met you, you kind of owned that, that, that part of it. And you kind of referred to it as like the silliness, but like the, the really like, oh, I train all this stuff, but then I also go and like go ex- do ecstatic dance. And I, you know, meet up and like just make up games in parks and things like that. And I don't know, it sounds almost, you know, like the, the, the not so valuable piece, but it, I, I think it might be the more valuable piece. And yeah, when I think of you, I think it's somebody who kind of really embodies that. Yeah. So my, like my personal like philosophy, or I guess my, my value, um, my values behind like physical physicality are really just like, I, at this point in my life, and this, this may change, you know, but at this point in my life, I, the only reason I ever train anything is just so that it leads to more enjoyment down the line. And so like, so like my, my training um, is, is always to give me more freedom in the things that I enjoy. So I really enjoy dance. And so like, like giving my body more options to then go and like dance and play with and like connect with people and improvise and, uh, and like be, I mean, be silly. And, mm-hmm. and uh, like, like my favorite thing is just, is, is just to make people laugh with movement. And so like, uh, so if I have more options and more tools in my tool belt, then like that ultimately makes me feel even better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same with jujitsu. Like if I'm more flexible, that often can lead to a better experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so ultimately like that's, that's what everything comes back to for me. And, um, 
and I've definitely been caught in the trap of, of chasing arbitrary goals that have no meaning. Um, and I don't know, man, I'd say like a lot of people, that's where we, that's where we start. And it's easy. It's easy to get stuck there. And so that's like when, when um, I know like you and I have talked about this, but whenever, whenever I worked with someone or we work with someone at StrengthSide, the first thing we do is we go through like goals, but then we like get rid of those goals because ultimately what we want is like the reasons behind those goals. We want to dive deeper. We want to ask the questions like, why do you want that? What, what, ex- what experience are you trying to elicit from reaching that goal? What, what uh, emotions are you trying to feel from, ex- from actually achieving these goals? Or, or being able for your body to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I really, try and, I, try, I really try and live that. And again, like it's easy to, easy to start tipping the other way, you know? Yeah. So, so do you let them like these activities that you, whatever, find interesting, valuable, enjoyable, whatever the, whatever the word is, do you let those then kind of dictate um, kind of the, the spaces you explore when you practice? Could you phrase the question differently? Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to it because I just think he put it so well, but Frank Frensich in, in Exuberant Animal talked about the relationship between romance and precision. Romance mm-hmm. being like the big things where it's like undefined and out there and precision being like the moves, the techniques, the 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 focused numbered counted things and he proposed the idea of like beginning with romance and letting like the exploration in the romantic lead to where we go in the precision right and then we take it back out into the romance um and i think in the book he proposed that like what we see now is we actually begin with precision so we actually begin with like the the stuff under the microscope and then maybe drift into like romance land but really don't drift too far um but it's something i think we talked about because i remember we went on a hike and i had said to you i really believe that there's something to this idea of kind of the you know um maintenance technique and free play trifecta and that they're this like dynamic relationship between the three and i free play being the the romance right? Yeah. And that, that can be the feedback to where we spend time in our like maintenance and technique. Um, so I'm, yeah, because you have these things like, you know, you know, if the, you know, when we first met, you talk, we're talking a lot about contact and uh, you had, you had done some jujitsu and, and getting into parkour. And that's why I ask him like, oh, do those kind of bigger romantic explorations then guide you into where you spend time in the, in the precision? Yes. I mean, that's, that's definitely how, how my life goes. So, but I like to also think about going back to like my, like what my mission is, is like, how do, how do we deliver this to the masses? Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm, I'm, I think we're still trying to work out just still like how, how we can bring that, um, that's that style of thinking mm-hmm. to, to your average person because like what they know is just precision mm-hmm. and maybe they also played sports 
And so like, there, but, but there's nothing in the middle there that we can like bridge, bridge that gap um, easily with, you know? So, so that's why actually I think we really like the kind of like, and I think, I think Mike Fitch is a genius because we, we really like these like animal flow, animal style movements because it's like just close enough to things that people are familiar with that people are, can do push-ups. People can like kind of do like stretches and things, you know, like they're kind of familiar with like, I've done a little bit of yoga here and there. Mm-hmm. And so like, so, so the idea of then being able to move and play with these animal movements is, is kind of like a bridging the gap between these worlds. And so that's how I think oftentimes like strength side pulls people in is like, ah, like, I think I can do those things that would give me like the freedom to almost, it, it would, it would be reminiscent for them of like what sports felt like being able to, to kind of like, you know, move and, and play in these organic ways, mm-hmm. but it's close enough to training too. Cause also, cause like people want people like we're told that like precision is where uh, productivity lies or like, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting topic because, because like you and I can, can jam on this forever and like, but we already drank the Kool-Aid, you know? Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's difficult when like, um, you know, the, the, the culture is not terribly romantic. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you're, you're, you're taking people who, you know, potentially haven't gotten enough of the romance uh, not to say anything about people being not romantic. I don't mean romance and like, <laughs> like you don't like get you know flowers for your loved one or whatever. But I mean like you know the the kind of the playing in like the the, the undefined land, right? Yeah. Everything we do is is defined. So it's like you're talking about kind of bridging the gap to like get you from being in the uber defined world to like kind of like find like the the entry points into like getting into something that's that's not quite as as word heavy yeah some somewhat somewhat romantic i i really like that distinction we actually we we have like a group coaching program and we have people read a beautiful practice by frank uh, uh-huh. as they're going through it like oh, nice. such a such a beautiful book and it's like <clears throat> it's it's ultimately what we hope people to create from from our program is like a practice for themselves whatever it is like we don't want to we don't want to like guide your practice we want you to find what you want to practice mm-hmm. and he does yeah. a really good job <clears throat> I, I i admire that when i talked to chip chip conrad on here i don't know if you've ever met chip mm-hmm. um he did something similar like the idea of like taking people and and creating opportunities to like help them decide like what they what they value and how their training or their practice like can can reflect that you know rather than just handing them the things to do yeah well and also uh i think in wrapped up in that is the idea that your practice doesn't end the moment like your training ends it's like how how does that permeate outwards into your lifestyle? Because I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is like, you know, this is what I care about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, that's, you know, I feel like I've said it on here a number of times, but that's why I'm like, 
I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm super interested in like being more like Bill Murray, you know, like, I mean, in, in, in like the funniest and most sincere way, you know, like I really do believe that like the person who can kind of like walk through life, not always needing Google maps, you know, and can find options in every scenario, you know, like that's to me a really magical way to like move and exist, you know? And, and then I often think to myself, Oh, if, uh, if more of the world operated that way, like, would we, would we, I don't know, always be trying to defeat, destroy force control, you know? Yeah. I have this, uh, I have this fantasy of, of, of living a day or potentially like just however long this would take, but like purposely with a group of friends, just like whenever a question comes up that we don't know the answer to, Mm -hmm. we cannot use any technology and we have to find out the answer. So we have to like get to the library and Mm -hmm. like find out the answer there. If we can't find it, we got to go talk to someone somewhere that would like know the answer. And I just think like that's, but like that's a, that's a, it's, it's just so far out of our realm of experience and it would force us to get so uncomfortable that like, I think, I think that would be like the most fun. Cause like we've talked about it, like on the, like you have to get a little bit uncomfortable to experience joy, like true, just elation, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't be in a comfortable place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also something about like being like being listened to, right? And 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 doing like authentic listening. And I mean this in like all of our senses, right? That's that's deeply satisfying, right? Like, I don't know, I've lifted heavy things and I've done some pretty like fancy moves. And I'm not going to take anything away from it. They were exciting moments, right? But like when you roll with somebody in jujitsu and you feel like it was this, even though it's, you know, combative, you're ultimately cooperating with one another when, when, when it's a really great role, right? You're cooperating in all the non-cooperative ways, right? Yeah. And same thing with like partnering and contact improv, you know, like being with somebody and feeling like, feeling like they're really hearing you and you're really hearing them. That's why each time when you're done with one of those things, like the song ends or like the bell rings for the new round, it's like you hug, you can't help it. You're just like, oh, like we just, we just created something together, you know? And I think that there's something, you know, deep there about like kind of asking our senses to come alive in that way, especially in relation to another person. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the common thread between the, the, all the things that I enjoy is there. They have a component of that, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you have, like, you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. I think the only one that doesn't, that maybe, uh, it's always done in a group, but it's mostly solo. It's climb, mm-hmm. but but like you are interacting with I don't know what feels like something that's alive when you're climbing. Yeah, the space, you know? the environment. Yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. regardless, like, uh, and I think parkour maybe feels that way too. But regardless, like, there's a reason why those are almost always done in groups as well, because like you still 
the, the community aspect of, of, of this idea of like, of like just staying motivated and, and, and excited about something like you, you almost have to have a community component. Like you need to, you need to be able to experience other people, talk about it, jam about it, compete. Like competition is not a bad thing. Like Mm -hmm. it can be toxic, Mm -hmm. can be also really productive. Um, You know, collaboration, like all this stuff, like it it, it just, you you just can't, you can't do it without, without other people. And I, I think ultimately that's, where a lot of the the like true truer sense of like movement culture sometimes feels a little dry to me is it doesn't feel truly truly collaborative it doesn't feel like we're all in this together mm. like we're, we're all fighting for our own but we're all fighting to like you know get higher in this hierarchy of what it, like whatever it is i don't know mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah yeah it's also like um it's not like everybody's bringing necessarily their their unique tools to the table to help kind of do like this like explorative tinkering in a collaborative way it's kind of everybody following similar programs from time to time and just doing it next to each other um yeah yeah i want to i want to hear more about your your thoughts on competition because i think i i think you know you know kind of like my thoughts on on on, competi- on, on, on competitiveness. And I'm curious, especially because you just brought it up and because you came from, you know, hyper competitive before mm-hmm. your injuries and leaving and now, yeah, going back to kind of your expanding and contracting and, and reflecting on like what you see value in. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. And maybe, I don't know, even just your relationship with it then, I guess as well. I think um, Rafe, I talked to Rafe Keller recently and he put it really well. Um, Competition, it's the roots of like sport competition was was to prepare for battle. Mm -hmm. So you would compete, but you would compete with your friends, with your comrades, to make each other better. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I think healthy competition is, um, is, in, is in some ways like seeing through the matrix of it mm. and seeing that it's all ridiculous and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. But through that, it can mean a lot. I understand. But, you know what I've, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like you almost, you almost said like, like non-competitive competing almost like it's almost like that like it's getting to that point where it's like you're not so caught up on the winning Mm -hmm. that you're you're not taking risks anymore yeah yeah like i said i think right when you right when you and i got on i and i don't know it'll be if it'll be edited so i'll mention it but I, i listened to the huberman podcast about play and that was one of the the aspects of play is that like um, something about the idea of like it, the, I don't know if he said stakes, some, the stakes being low enough that you're willing to like take the risks, risks that like you're willing to like explore novelty, 
something like that. So it's like competition to, to the point of that. It's not so serious that like, you're not trying new things essentially. Yeah. I could, totally like that's... Butcher, I, could to- I could totally be butchering it. And then someone's going to listen to this and be like, yo, you totally misquoted. But, it, you know, <laughs> but basically that idea is that like, it's like, it's competitive to the point of like it not being so serious that you're not like exploring yeah. novel solutions. I think Huberman would forgive though. Yeah, but... I hope so. <laughs> he seems nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I, you know, I would say that like the reason that I don't feel that team sports were, were actually a, a net positive for me was because I created a very unhealthy relationship with competition. Um, everything, like if your identity, which like, I think we're doing, to, I think we're doing this, this to kids right now. It's like, this is why I think that this is an important topic. Mm-hmm. But we, cre- we create kids who their identity is that they are good at sports. So then there's no room for risks mm-hmm. because if there's a, even a moment where they feel like they're not good at sports, their identity is just ripped from them. Right. And that's, and so like, I remember feeling that way. I was actually like a young, a young athlete. I mean, even actually up through, up through like college sports, I had a lot of sport and anxiety. And so like, I would, um, I would do, I would perform far better if we were just playing pickup games out, you know, out, just, just messing around than actually like playing in real games because there was absolutely no room for error, at least in my eyes. Right. And like, whether that was true or not, that was what was communicated to me that at least like that, that was how I perceived the message. And so like, I mean, I I, I hear, like, I work with parents who I hear the same language that, like, I heard as a kid. I'm like, let's not tell our kids that, you know, because ultimately that's, like, I had a very unhealthy relationship with competition to where when I first started jujitsu, I was, I was, I was deathly scared of going back to that place mm. to the point where I almost treated, treated rolling, like, I was, I wouldn't, it wasn't that I didn't take it seriously, but I would not give a hundred percent effort. Like, because I just, I just didn't want to put myself in that position where, where I started going back down that path of viewing competition in that way. And ultimately it was, it was really positive because now, now I've gotten to a point where like, I know what healthy competition feels like and I can go there and also laugh at it when it's when we're done right Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's a like a culturally difficult thing because it's like um like everything is kind of built around competition right there's such a great book it's so good this book no contest by alfie Cohn, and he's really like a uh like a devout non-competition um I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I would say it. He's, he, he's, he's not, he does not believe in competition, strictly believes in cooperation. And, and in some ways, I would almost say that what you described is actually a version of cooperation, not competition. 
right mm-hmm. when 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 the line is drawn at like needing to win yes yeah. um but i see it i mean this is not at the same level as you playing like competitive uh, basketball but i uh i visited my mom not too long ago and she's gotten really into pickleball and she really Sick. wanted us to play so it's like it's in like a 55 and over community so you're going out and playing with all these people but like they're all super competitive crazy competitive right and then you and then i show up and they're like oh like you know we're putting like the the bullseye on this guy and my mom is like losing her mind because i'm deciding to play with my non-dominant hand and she's and she's like why are you doing that you're not going to win and i said i don't know i just want to see what happens you know but she was getting really angry because she's like you we got to win and i said i don't know do we have to i think i'm curious what will happen if i play with my left hand instead of my right um but you know, these are the things that we start to miss out on. I think when when we get so caught up in the competition, it's like yeah. we don't we we don't do the tinkering, right? We don't we don't we, you know we're we're trying to limit surprise rather than seek surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it comes and, back and, and, ultimately and, and, to and, control, right? Right, and down the road, you know, to bring it back to what you were saying about preparation for battle, right? Like, if we were ever in a battle, I think I would like people around me to be more prepared for surprise by having more options than people who are do one thing really well, but are totally unprepared for like surprise because their options are pretty limited. You know, um, I'd say like kind of going back to youth sports, I would, I would say that this is, there's, there's research behind this idea that, kids who specialize in sports too early actually don't end up doing any better in that sport than kids who are just, you know, we're playing a bunch of sports. Mm-hmm. And I would say ultimately, like, like this is probably the reason why, mm-hmm. because you get so, you get so specific and you try to control every variable that you breed out any creativity and you, you lose the ability to at least use creativity as a strength or a tool, right? Because you, you, you think that you know how to do everything mm-hmm. and you've controlled, you think you've controlled all the variables until you realize that there's no way to control all the variables. And, and, like, and then you're, you're just creating a bunch of kids who, who go into their sports thinking that they're going to be the best because they specialize the most. They did the most amount of drills. They spent the most amount of hours when like, really that's not what being athletic is about. Being athletic is about having more resources, being able to react and respond to surprise. That's why, I mean, there's all these amazing stories about like, you know, the greatest athletes of all time are not the biggest, strongest and fastest. Right. Was it and, Bo Jackson? Well, listen, Bo was, 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 was the, you know, was the exception because he, he was that and all the other things, but you know, like, you know, you, you, you hear about like, um, you know, I think it was like Pele where it was like playing soccer in alleyways. Mm-hmm. Right. And like Wayne Gretzky wasn't big at all. Right. He was like, you know, a smaller guy in terms of hockey, but like what it was is they had like, you know, they were, I, and I, I keep coming back to these three words because they're my three words for now, but like they were creative, adaptable, and cooperative, right? And then everything yeah. else falls in under that. I mean, I, I heard, never heard that, never heard you say that before. 
<laughs> but I, I heard, I, but I heard, but I heard you on 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 Rafe's podcast, you know, mentioning what I had brought up about like you know even moving heavy things, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I really believe it. I think that like you know it wasn't it wasn't like all like the 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 strength and like the exact lifting technique maybe that like got us to move heavy things in the past. It was our ability to do it creatively and with other people, you know, yeah. like help us do it. And, and I, and I think that that, that gets lost. It's like, because you can't put, you can't put words to it, you know, like strength, mobility techniques, they're all defined and measurable. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you say to like people like, Oh, you just, you gotta, you just gotta like go dance and, and, you know, roll around and like jump on things. And then somewhere down the road, you can start planting in those other things. Yeah, it's it's well, it's it, 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 it's not it doesn't fit necessarily like the model of our culture where it's like we need to like sell everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if, if, well, a I mean, parent's, if, if a parent's going to pay for something, they want to know exactly what it is. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I mean, it's it's so th- like this is actually it's so funny because it's built into the culture of football, even though football doesn't adopt the practices. But like mm-hmm. every coach knows that you're going to take farm boy strong over gym strong any day any day of the week oh yeah oh yeah coaches coaches talk about that all the time farm boy strong like that's that's sought after Mm -hmm. because like what are they doing like they're they're picking up bales of hay but like it's not the same every time you know and like they're they're doing a bunch of just organic things it's 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 like the mr miyagi right like they're they're training themselves just from day one, but because it's just a part of their lives and they just like, they've just adopted these things that make them a better overall athlete, not sets and reps, not a barbell. That's like a perfect diameter with, you know, a, with perfect, perfect circular plates on. <clears throat> yeah. And it's not, and it's not, and, you know, sometimes it's easy like to almost get caught up on it, you know, kind of coming down on on these like strength things or linear things or measurable things but it's more just like it, it's not necessarily synonymous with being able to to move through life playfully mm-hmm. you know or as I, I've come to say like dance with life you know it's in to me that's the quality of like you know the the, the welcoming of surprise idea right mm-hmm. so like what you're saying is like like the farm boy strong has that a little bit of like you gotta figure it out there's a lot of like figuring out that goes on yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean think about how much creativity there is in in picking something up that's not perfectly shaped Mm -hmm. like that's that's a form of creativity in itself is just like how to orient your body to give yourself enough leverage right like there's no creativity in the gym Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of us are spending, spending our the majority of our time, mm-hmm. just practice, practice, practice. And there's nothing like I don't think there's anything wrong. Like you do need to practice if you want to get better at something. But like we've defined practice in a pretty arbitrary way. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and maybe it's also like you know what the the kind of culture defines or has led us to define is like what better is, right? Mm-hmm. Right, like maybe better is like 
is not as Instagrammable all the time. Right? Yeah. But it's like, you know, when it's, yeah, when it's caught up in, in, in other things, it's, you know, better often become synonymous with like the things that, that look a certain way. You know, but if we start kind of looking at well, what is, what what do we what what is better? Like, what what do we want to? What would we like to see in people or in ourselves? It it changes what how we define better. And maybe maybe better is not even the right word. I actually don't even. I, it's a word that I don't I don't even like using because I I feel like everybody is actually just good enough as it is. But mm -hmm. it, it's like um, you know, like what are what are kind of like the qualities we want to bring to light. And, and how do we feed those? It was, um, <clears throat> I think on your last, your podcast with Nicolette, mm -hmm. she was talking about how, how it's cool to consider, I think part of Feldenkrais practice is it's cool to consider not just, not just like a shape of the body, but how, how you got there. Mm -hmm. Right, like what um, what pathway did you take, and can you change that pathway? Mm -hmm. um, right, and and I think like that's that's super interesting to think about in the context of like kind of what you're talking about, where it's where it's like what what is what is better. So like, say you have two people who can do a one arm handstand, but what one of them learned through you know, hours and hours of practice doing, you know, chest to walls and then doing their straight handstand and then doing, you know, a million flags and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another dude in Brazil who's just, who's just break dancing and like taught himself how to do a one-arm handstand. And like, they're the same thing, but you know, like what's like, who, like how are we placing values on like which which was the better way mm -hmm. like that's that's ultimately um it, it, it's it's ultimately like the it's we decided as as a culture that like there's a there's a specific way to get from point a to point b when really there's infinite ways to get from point a to point b there is no better way mm. Because yeah, ultimately, so it doesn't matter where you get. It just matters like the journey you took anyway, right? Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, like culturally, it's like, well, whatever the fastest way is. Again, to bring it back to like Google Maps, it's like, you know, what's the shortest route? Just get mm -hmm. me to that thing, right? And I wrote a blog about this, but I, I, I it, it's totally fitting right here. And I talked about it a little bit with uh, Charlie when I had him on the podcast. But the idea that like, you know, I had this friend who talked about, I think you, how old are you right now, by the way? 31. Stud. I, uh, mm -hmm. so my friend. I'm prime, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if this, then this is, this is the same for you then. Um, you'd have to tell me. But I, when I was in college and my buddy were in college, we're about the same age, uh, there was no Google Maps, right? And he talked about how um, he would go on road trips with his friends and, and uh, the moments that he remembers the most were when they got lost, mm -hmm. right? Because it was like, you had this like destination you were headed to, but like the route had to evolve and change because you couldn't just shortest route it, you know? So sometimes there were like, 
bumps in the road, right? There were twists and turns and that's what made it memorable. And I think that we get in like the culture of like shortest routing, right? So because we think the destination is all that matters when like the getting lost piece in the middle might be the most memorable part. Oh yeah. Right? Uh, <clears throat> there's a book that I didn't read. Okay. It's on my list. But <laughs> Josh, Josh, uh, Josh told me about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother and he, uh, but it's just, it, it literally word for word is like what you said. This guy, he, he, I think it was in maybe like the sixties. Um, he rode his motorcycle across the world. So he oh. like, like rode through Asia, rode through, uh, uh, Europe, Africa, Central America, South America, North America like literally did it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said the same thing. Like that was, that was the takeaway. It was like, is like when things didn't go right, like those are the, those are the memories he is most fond of, you know, like he, like he uh, crashed his motorcycle in this town where he couldn't, he couldn't get a ride out of there for two weeks somewhere in like South America up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And like, he's at a, like, that was like the coolest, the coolest experience he had the whole time was just spending two weeks in this little tiny town that didn't have any electricity, mm-hmm. you know? So like, yeah, man, I mean, I think that's, that's what we definitely overlook is like talking about, we're, we're talking about like physically going somewhere, but like on my journey of training my body to do whatever, mm-hmm. ultimately the things I remember the most are when things went wrong and what I learned from those things that have made my life better. Right. And how you, and how you tinkered your way through it or how you problem solved your way through it, right? And like that idea of like, you know, like the tinkering and the problem solving and like the going through that process isn't limited to that one moment in time. It's like the more you kind of expose yourself to do that, it's like the more you potentially see options in in other places in your life, Uh right? Again, to bring back the, the Huberman thing only because I listened to it yesterday, when he was talking about kind of just doing something playfully, it was like, even just as simply, I think he said, is like just taking like a different route to work or something, you know, like don't walk the same way you would normally go. And like, that's like, that's this little thing that we're describing here. So it can be like micro and macro in terms of how you do the non Google maps thing from time to time. Um, So since we're talking about it and I feel like sometimes uh, it's easy to like talk big and then maybe someone listens is like, okay, well, give me an example. Do you have any examples of like doing, approaching things? It could be any sort of like how you kind of practice in this way. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I do this all the time where say like, um, okay, where we can go one level above very specific mm-hmm. like say there's there's something that i'm like working on that just isn't quite like clicking for me mm-hmm. what i love to do and i'll probably do this like once every other week is is don't judge me mm-hmm. but i'll take some sort of mind altering substance and i'll go in a room with like a mirror or something and just and just like figure it out and mm-hmm. just like learn something about my body that I didn't really know. 
and just and like literally just try anything and just like and just like put on some cool music and like laugh and play but also like get very serious and and mm-hmm. like it just turns into this beautiful thing where like I can learn from it it also is really fun like 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 truly learning about something you care about is is like is one of the most gratifying things you can do mm-hmm. and like I really care about understanding my body and how it works and mm-hmm. so so like that's that's part of that's just part of my life that's something mm-hmm. I do so often so like that's that's um like a very very specific um thing that I do regularly um but as far as like something hmm I mean I would say that going to the park with you and just like deciding we're going to work on some sort of um, some sort of quality and then creating a game around it mm-hmm. and then exploring that, that quality. Um, like that's, that's a really fun way to go about exploring that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's on my way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. you think of anything specific? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'll do this in my workshops only because it's something that I do on my own from time to time is like, if I'm kind of jamming or playing or whatever it is that I'm doing, like, you know, and I, and I think that there's maybe like a technique that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious about. I'll just jam and I'll, and I'll put that technique or that move in like the back of my mind or maybe take it from the back of my mind and just creep it a little bit closer to the front. And if I see a moment where it fits, I'll place the movement in or the move um, while doing whatever the other game is that I'm playing. That's more, call it like the more romantic, right? So it's kind of like placing both sides of the coin in there. Um, so I think that stuff like that is, is kind of interesting. I always think of like kids kind of like, maybe they just started gymnastics class or something, but they're still really bouncy. Like they're super young and they're just like bouncing, 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 bouncing. And then out of nowhere, they throw a cartwheel in like that thing, yeah. you know, you're like, Oh, I want the cartwheel while I'm bouncing. Not when I like set up and go. You know? I think that's, this is, um, I think another thing that you and uh, you and Nicolette talked mm-hmm. about, I, th- I thought this was like a really, really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, that your, your like unconscious movements, patterns and things like that, that is your ego Mm -hmm. and like the only way the only way that you can insert some some sort of change into that is is ultimately consciously until you create until you until it um becomes unconscious right and Mm -hmm. so like like what you're saying is like when i jam i'd also like to use this thing so I do need to insert it consciously for now until it becomes something that is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, like, I think like, cause there is, there's like two camps in, in, in our world. There's like the camp that is like, you just, you just have to get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. You just got to get into a flow state and go. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's like everything 
you know, like I don't, I don't think they would say this about themselves, but everything is planned, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're only going to live in the ego, mm -hmm. but like, I think where, where it becomes, where learning takes place is when your unconscious and conscious are interacting with each other, mm -hmm. almost at the same speed. Yeah. And it's just kind of creating the, the space for those opportunities to arise, mm -hmm. right. Or, or, or creating, um, I don't know, this like beautiful, healthy relationship. I think sometimes people, I've said this before where it's like, it's like, they think they're supposed to like dissolve their ego or something. And it's supposed to be like, I'm only existing yeah. and like whatever. And it's just, no, like th there's a, there's a dance between the two. And I think that it's something to, to, to spend time with, you know, I, I forget who I was reading or listening to. Maybe, maybe it was like DT Suzuki, like intro to Zen Buddhism, I think. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the idea of a ko the koan, you know, the koan. It's like what mm -hmm. you meditate on. And it's kind of a riddle. And the idea that like it exists, you, you, you take on the koan to distract your thinking brain to a point where like little cracks emerge for your unconscious mind to kind of creep up in to integrate the two so that you have them both, right? And I, and I think that that's the thing that I almost imagine sometimes when I'm like, I'm doing this like totally free play, not thinking thing, but have this one little piece available to me so that they can, there can be this like this, this overlap. And I say it, you know, sometimes, maybe people hear something like, oh, well, that's exactly what I should do. And it's like, oh, like if it sounds interesting, you can do it. But what I'm also proposing is that everybody find, you know, be open to your own form of tinkering, right? Like I, I, I love that documentary, The In Search of Greatness with Wayne Gretzky. And he talks about um, how he watched Hockey Night in Canada every night. And he would sit there with a piece of paper with a rink drawn on it. And then he would hold a pen and he would follow the puck on the rink and he was a kid doing this little kid and he'd follow it. And then when he was done, when the game was over, he'd be able to look at the sheet of paper and see where the puck was at the most oh. on, the, on the rink. And so, and the, guy, and the guy who interviewed him was like, Oh, well, who taught you to do that? And he said, no one, I just, I just thought it would be interesting, but it's like, that's the tinkering. Like that's the, like mm -hmm. playing a game and just figuring out like what, what, what it is that draws you in. Right. And the same thing with um, Jerry Rice is in the documentary. I feel like I can bring this up because I haven't brought up this movie on, on the podcast in a long time, but Jerry Rice talks about the same thing. He would lay in bed at night and he would have his football and he would turn the lights off and he would toss the ball to himself mm. and try to catch it in the dark. Again, yeah. they're like, who taught you to do that? He's like, Oh, like nobody. The same way. I'm like, nobody taught me. I'm like to like do all like whatever I'm doing and then pick a move and put it in there. It's just mm -hmm. a, a thing that I, that that is interesting and enjoyable to me and i find like it helps kind of do a thing that i can't always articulate and the same with these guys where it's like oh nobody said toss the ball in the, in the dark but like it just felt it felt interesting for like the way that they were where they were coming at it from yeah well, well it's also i find it really interesting that that you are um in this in the same, on the same topic of tinkering comes the words excitement and joy, right? Like you are, you are really enjoying yourself while you're tinkering. Mm -hmm. 
And like, I think that's really important for so many reasons, but I think one that I think a lot of people get, get tripped up on is that whatever they're doing or their form of, or whatever they're tinkering with oftentimes isn't enjoyable to them. Mm -hmm. They're just told that they're supposed to do it. Like, this is how you get better at this thing. And so ultimately like they're chasing this thing that will never truly give them enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there's something really beautiful in that, in that the way that you tinker is also how you have fun. Dude, I I think you're, I mean, you and I have talked about this a little bit that, uh, you know, that, you know, I think when they look at the brain and they see the feelings of joy and happiness and, you know, it's, it's often like the prelude is like acts of creativity. And like, that's what we're describing. It doesn't mean that like, it's not hard. Right. But like, you feel that like hunger to like, you know, figure it out. You know, I think that's one thing that I always like quickly learned about getting to spend time with you is that I think you and I both enjoyed and welcome this like, hey, do you want to try that? Do you want to go try this? And like, be like, oh, like, yeah, let's go see like, what, like, what happens if we do that? Oh, yeah. You know, like they're, you know, I guess that was also kind of the magic of like that group that we had in Boulder. But like, I think a lot about that day when we were out there rolling the giant snowball. <laughs> but like, that's kind of the thing. Like, yeah. sometimes when you're tinkering, you don't know what you're going to, what you're going to find on the other side. And maybe you'll never be able to articulate it, but it's the willingness to like be okay learning things that you might not be able to explain. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, hanging out with you is a lot of like the, let's, let's just go like do something. We don't know what, what's on the other side of it. Just because. Yeah. Everything has to have a purpose these days, you know, like we've, we've talked about this so much, but let's just, let's just say here, Mm -hmm. I hate biohackers. Because mm-hmm. it's like you you just take you take all of the juice out of something. You're like, let's distill it down to it. You know, it w- what we think is the thing that you want to get from it, and like, you know, so like for pro- for, for productivity, for productivity, mm-hmm. yeah, or or health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's taking supplements without eating whole food, and so like sometimes sometimes you just do things because. Mm-hmm. And like, th- like that is, that is oftentimes where, where you'll, you'll learn something. You'll either learn that that was a really cool thing or some cool lesson from it or whatever. And it's something you want to explore, or you learn that like, yeah, it's not worth my time, but like you learn something. And I think ultimately like, like the more experiences we have, the more wisdom we end up like owning, you know? And so mm-hmm. So yeah, like we should be we should be exposing ourselves to things often. And also on the flip side of that, like ex- like one experience that many people don't have is having is like practicing the same thing for 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's like that's also an experience that is very valuable. It doesn't mean that you have to live in the abstract all the time. Mm-hmm. But you should go there once in a while, you know? Yeah, it's a it's an and not an or. Yes. And 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 I don't know that I'd even like call it abstract. It's just being like, make sure you don't forget about life. Yeah. You know, like don't forget about like the reality that when you walk out the door, you don't know what's gonna happen. And 
and you know the the reality that we're human animals right and you know we feed on novelty right mm -hmm. in the ways that we can't explain it just again it gives us like more options so like that balance between like again the romance and the precision you know they're two sides of of, of the same coin right mm -hmm. it's just you know we're so uber rational and uber knowledge that we like i wrote it today in this thing that i posted but like you know knowledge is not synonymous with understanding right like to, un to understand we need to go like put our hands in it and on it you know like we could talk about the physics of rolling a giant snowball across a field all day and we would know tons about it but I didn't understand it until like the group of us got out there and rolled what might've been like a 400 pound snowball <laughs> for like 40 yards. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, have you, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the, of the book. <sighs> um, Anyways, um, it's, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the famous philosopher. Um, <clears throat> he, he, Western, uh, Western philosopher? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, how can I, I'm just totally blanking right now. Alan Watts? No, 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 no. Um, I, it'll, it'll come to me in a sec. Okay. But anyways, mm -hmm. he literally wrote a book maybe in like the fifties that was all like the, the preface of the book is literally just what you said. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there is a big difference between like understanding and I forget what he like intellectualizing maybe or whatever, but, but it's just like basically saying like, there's like, that's even what like doctors are doing these days is like, like doctors. And this was in like the fifties were like, Doctors used to approach every every situation and say like, "Well, this is an individual in front of me, and I have all these I have all these pre preconceived notions of probabilities mm -hmm. of what this person could be dealing with, but ultimately this is a unique person, and they have a unique experience, and I need to treat them that way." And like and like I think that's that's ultimately one of the biggest issues I, I see in like how we prescribe exercise is like, I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm, a, I'm someone who prescribes exercise. Right. And I'm just like, we're all just, we're all just taking our best guess off of probabilities and, and oftentimes not treating every, every individual or every moment as unique, as not a statistic, as not like, we are not all the average that like, you know, that that like a probability says we are. Mm -hmm. No, no one is the average. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Yeah, I'm excited to see when you figure when you remember who that philosopher is. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, I'm blanking so hard. That's okay. That's all right. Be one of those under like. Oh. Yeah, you te you text it to me, and then I'll edit it. I edit all this out and put it right in. There. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> 
you, you, you know, you were one of the people when we, when we, I think we were on a hike one day and, and I'm bringing up something here that we, we, we've kind of already talked about, but I want to let you kind of like elaborate on it mm-hmm. because it's a conversation I kind of keep having and, you know, like, you know, the idea of, of, of messaging, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, having like a clear message and in, in not just what you're presenting, but like why you're presenting it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I remember you kind of alluding to like going through a process of like putting that together um, and, and how you kind of arrived at like the things that you care about and, and kind of distilling it down. And as you said, it's like the process that you kind of put your, your, your cohorts through when you, when you bring them on for strength side and stuff. And yeah, I find it being a conversation I have regularly and some people are interested and some people don't care. And it's, a, I'm, I, I don't, I, you know, it doesn't bother me either way, but I, I just think that there's, a, there's something interesting that happens when you, when you really know that like bringing people together and sharing information or ideas or concepts or wisdom, whatever you want to call it in, in any way has weight to it. It's kind of a response, you know, like if you, and, and you, and it might be a responsibility worth considering when, when we do that mm. um, because it matters and people take what happens in situations beyond that moment Mm -hmm. um so yeah i remember you talking about kind of going through that process for yourself so yeah i i I would love for you to to share about it so uh let me make sure i understand your question so so you're kind of talking about this idea of like what um i think i heard you say previously that like curating Mm-hmm. Uh, a group's experience is far more important and should be given far more value than uh, than what a lot of people do. Like it's almost like we we do it um, we do it too lightheartedly sometimes. Yeah, like, like you know, we're just like we're just like we're like oh we have great content so we'll like gather people and it's totally fine. I'm not anti content, but yeah. like you know, knowing that you, you've reflected on the, like the things kind of past the content. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. That like, oh, like the, the reason for gathering. I think that like one of the reasons that I think uh, strength side. So my brother, Josh and I, um, strength side has done really well is there's like people people are attracted to whatever they're attracted to you know like we do movement stuff and sometimes people are stoked on that handstands whatever um you know we do like a lot of stretching and so like some a lot of yoga people are interested in that um but ultimately what people end up staying for is is like the is the overall values of how we like, like how we present our values. Mm -hmm. And it's not just in what we say, it's, it's oftentimes in like how we, how we go about portraying it through, through our lifestyle, through um, how, 
how we communicate. And it's interesting because like, I never think of myself as a strong communicator. Like I, I don't, I don't feel, um, I don't feel, I, at least let me say this. I often feel like I can't communicate what I want to say as well as I'd like to say. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, that's one of the biggest compliments that like Josh and I get is just like, I just like love your communication style. I love, I, I, I love how you, um, how you use your body to communicate. I love, you know, like just whatever. And so it's, so it's very interesting to me because it really highlights how much your overall, like your nervous system can even come through a screen, let alone in a group, like what you're talking about. Right. And so like, so like coming into a space with it, with an open heart and an open mind and, and intentions of some kind is is so important because like, that's what you're going to put out to everyone around you, whether you're speaking or not. Right. And like, that's what ultimately curates the space. Mm-hmm. So, so like, that's why, like, for me, it's very important to show up in, in, in any space um, with, I mean, like, like what you said in the beginning with like a little bit of silliness. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's like that. Those are the spaces I want to be in. Are places that like that like feel like silliness is a value. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's something that you spent time reflecting on. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Because um, I would say, like through my through my younger adult years well, through my whole life before I've been, maybe the last like five years. I feel like I've, I've, I've gone through life with very little intention and I've got, you know, like I've, I've, I haven't, I, I didn't get anything from it because I didn't go in with intention. So I just got randomness, mm-hmm. you know, like I got random results because I was putting out randomness. And so, um, and, and so now, like, I try to be more intentional with, with you know, many of the things I do, mm-hmm. not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely one of those things is, is I want to make the world around me a, a better place. And to me, like, one of my, one of my strengths is to bring lightheartedness and silliness into, into a room. And mm-hmm. so, like, that's, that's ultimately my like, like what I, what I intend to do often when Mm -hmm. I enter a space. And you do successfully. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm doing something right then. Yeah. 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 It it works. It happens. Um, What does like the, like the process look like right now? Cause I remember you guys talking, you, you telling me about how you guys do, cohorts and, and, and kind of online groups? How, how does that all work out? So, yeah, so we do, um, we do online group coaching where we take people through as like cohorts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we like that because 
of the community aspect. So like we start together, we move through something together, we end together. And that's, you know, it's, it's definitely really cool. And like what we want to, what we want to give people is like what we talked about earlier. We, we have people often read the, um, a beautiful practice, Frank Fernsich. I don't know how to say his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because ultimately like what we want to give them is the ability to, well, first of all, we want to just like expose them to a bunch of new stuff. So like we, you know, there's, there's training involved, but also we prompt a lot of exploration where it's like, Hey, spend 20 minutes, just find something to climb and spend 20 minutes climbing on it in a way, in ways that you would never like do in your normal life. Right. Mm-hmm. So don't do pull-ups. Mm-hmm. Like you could even do it on a pull-up bar, but find different ways to climb. on it, Right. Like just, just starting to like shift, shift perspective a little bit. And then from that, give people the tools to create um, a practice of their own that like that, that excites them, whatever that is. Right. And we just get, uh, I just want to give people tools so that they can use them however they want. I don't want to tell people what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so like, that's, that's definitely um, how we approach that. That group program is just like, we give people a lot of options um, we let them explore, we give them training tools and then, uh, and we give them lifestyle tools so that they can live like a healthier, more fulfilling lifestyle. Um, I think that's, that's like, that's oftentimes my biggest, like my biggest gripe with how a lot of what, I, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Just like these some, some of these niche practices, calisthenics, movement culture, stuff like that. I think it, it like, it gets so focused on the what that we forget about the why. Mm-hmm. And like the why is the, the, the most important because like that's what's going to, that's what's going to take what you're doing and um, allow it to move into your lifestyle, into, into who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, that's what we end up talking a lot about. It's like, well, what's, what's the point? Why are we doing any of this? You know, like, let's, let's talk about it. I don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to have your answer. And like, we can talk about, we can talk about what my answer is and what your answer is and like why they're different or why they're similar. And there is no right or wrong. And like, I think that's ultimately what people get the most out of, out of those, out of that group coaching program. It's fun. It's fun for us too, man. Yeah. I mean, hearing you talk it out, um, I thought it was, a, a, a an interesting process and, and something that kind of, you know, went beyond just like programming. Um, mm-hmm. is that the only thing that you offer or provide or are there like other kind of options, resources? Well, I mean, we also, you know, we also have programming on our, like we sell programs and we have a, like a, a subscription thing. And, you know, so like we, we also have some of that for people who are just interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we work with people in groups. And then um, I also work with people one-on-one if, um, if they're interested in that. So um, yeah, I'm do- we're doing a lot of stuff. 
Um, yeah. <clears throat> all of the, uh, basically all the online stuff, which is funny because that's like the one thing that we talked about in the beginning, which we don't know if it'll be on, be chopped off or not, but like we want to explore getting back to doing things in person because that's where Josh and I both started it's coaching a lot in person. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're coming full circle. We're going to start doing some stuff in person. And what's the best way to connect with you? Is it through Instagram or websites? What is it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say Instagram is a really easy way to reach me. It's uh, the Trevor Hash. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm so bad with social medias. I was off. I was off of social media for like over two years. Just like yeah. wiped it clean, and Impressive. then yeah, and then like with business and stuff, I kind of ha- I have to have an online presence. So like I'm still figuring out how to do this like in a in a healthy way for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I do have an Instagram. It's the Trevor Hash. Um, I do check my messages once in a while. So if you hit me up on there, I, I'll definitely chat with you. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, Strength Side is where you can find our content. That's on um, YouTube uh, and Instagram. I think it's the Strength Side. Um, 